I've asked several people, I said, if you were to go back on your personal development journey or your spiritual growth journey, like where would you say you would have wanted to start first? And they all say emotional intelligence, emotional growth. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life, and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast & Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically, by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. As always, I am so grateful that you are here with me today. And, you know, I know I say this a lot, but every now and then I have one of these conversations that just become one of my favorites because it's so deep and dynamic. And I feel like as an interviewer, I take so much from the conversation that I want to go back and take notes and time seems to stand still. And this conversation with Joe Sheehy, the founder and CEO of Cured Nutrition is one of those conversations. So this is a little bit of a longer episode, but I'm going to really encourage you to stay in it for the long haul. This episode is like one part mindset and life and like the deep stuff. Joe gets pretty transparent and real vulnerable about 
being a father, his past with drug abuse and alcohol abuse and almost committing suicide, attempting to commit suicide, to navigating his marriage and the challenges there, to now being a CEO and what that looks like. And we talk a lot about emotional intelligence. We talk a lot about leadership. So if you're an entrepreneur and you want to build and lead successful companies, this episode is going to give you an insight into exactly what that looks like, not just from the technical side of things of strategy, but more from a leadership side of things, a value side of things and emotional intelligence. And then the conversation shifts. And we talk a lot more about what cured nutrition is and Joe breaks down, you know, the difference between CBD, CB, CBN, cannabinoids. We talk about psilocybin. We talk about microdosing. So it's very much a natural wellness conversation as it is an emotional intelligence and leadership conversation. And he does share a discount code at the end of the conversation. If you want to try Cured Nutrition, the products are amazing. I've used them. And they were a brand partner for the Devoted Retreat. And we were able to share some of the amazing products with the women that were there at Devoted as well. So I know that they work. I use them. They're incredible. I would not be advocating for them if I didn't know that they worked myself. So Joe Sheehy is the founder and CEO of the leading cannabinoid wellness brand, Cured Nutrition. As a former NASA contributing aerospace engineer, he led much of his life doing what he was quote unquote supposed to do. And now he's committed to pushing boundaries and changing the narrative around cannabis to contribute to a future of health that looks much different than the past. After decades governed by a strict set of rules and adherence to socially acceptable paths, Joe left a life of comfort to create one of true impact in this world. The same day he left corporate America, he found himself sitting in a therapist's office where he soon awoke to the reality that the only permission he was searching for was that which he had been neglecting to give himself. And in that moment, he vowed to live only in boundless possibility. He has dedicated his life to elevating consciousness on all fronts that as a united human collective breathe genuine happiness, health, and fulfillment. Freckled with periods of anxiety, depression, suicidal attempts, his path has been far from the most glamorous, but through years of resilience, perseverance, and renewed self-awareness, his journey shows triumph through every tribulation. And now his mission is to guide others towards this radical sense of self-actualizations. Without further ado, let's dive into one of my most favorite conversations with Joe. Joe, welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. It's an honor to have you here because I know we haven't really had an opportunity to, to meet in real life, but you have been so gracious to be a brand partner for the Devoted Retreat. And I had an opportunity to try some of the amazing products that you have created and all the women at the retreat loved it. So I'm just honored amazing. to have you here to, to sit down and, and dig into your mission a little bit more deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. And I appreciate when you did reach out and we first connected the way in which you did it. I think it's on brand, boldly courageous. You send a voice note, you say, Hey, what's up? This is what I'm doing. And I'd love to work together. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, um, you know? So it's a pleasure to connect. Well, on that note, what is mm. one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? That's a good question. I have done, I, I kind of like that, like that. That's like an underlying theme for me because that's where I grow in the world of discomfort is where I grow. And that's what I've always been committed to. I would say the most boldly courageous thing that I did was I just invested another 20 grand in a new mentor that I met and had a 30 minute conversation with. And I was like, this is the guy I know 
Like I just felt it, you know, we talk about, you know, what it feels like to feel alignment. You're, you're mentioning that before the podcast. And so a massive investment in myself for next year, based off of a short conversation, but a deep knowing that this feels right. Mm, That's awesome. Have you ever done this before or is this your first time? Yeah. Yeah. So like if I were to tally up the amount of money I had, I've invested in myself for mentors, masterminds, whatever it may be, I'm probably close to like the 200 grand range by now. So it's like, it's like, I'm getting used to doing it, but every time I do do it, it's like, all right, cool. Like, here we go. And it always calls me forward. It's this, uh, I've been talking a lot to mentor, uh, to entrepreneurs that I mentor about the energetics of money. And for me, that's one of been one of my biggest lessons over the last several years is like, money has a very, very, uh, very clear energy behind it. And the more that we hold on to it, it's more of like a scarce approach, the less that we call in money, like the energetics of money is it's a flow. It's a constant flow. That's why you hear some of the biggest people in investing world talk about cash flow. It's the flow of money more than just the holding on to the money. Um, so yeah. Mm, I love that. Now you have a background as an aerospace engineer, which would probably seem very counterintuitive to someone talking about like the energetic flow of money, or maybe these <laughs> two things are aligned, but now you are a CEO. And so do you, how do you take that mindset and apply it as a CEO where I don't know if you have investors or board members or other people that are, you know, get to be included in the conversation around cash flow and money and investing. Like, is mm-hmm. that, a, do you have to wear a different money mindset hat when it comes to running your business? It's a good question. We don't have investors, but we are raising money for the first time in Q1 of next year. So we're five years into the business, multi-million dollars in revenue, um, val- valued in the eight figure range now, which feels really good to say that because we haven't taken on investor money. We've done it all. It's been bootstrapped from, from day one with myself and my business partner. And I think that the first thing that I would say that came to mind is our approach for transparency. Every single one of our employees has a login to our QuickBooks. They can see where all the money goes. It's very transparent. And when I first started opening up those doors or the 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 books for lack of a better term it felt very uncomfortable because you know it's like okay well they get to see where all the money goes but in that every single team member feels completely invested and completely entrusting to how we you know when you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month as a company that sounds like a lot of money right and so employees team members will hear that and they go well you know i compare my salary to this but then when you can see oh we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on overhead on marketing on you know all the initiatives on payroll and then they can see when joe doesn't get paid like that's really important for me is like mm. it's fully transparent and i think that that's been core to any team working to its most effective um, capability is trust. We have to trust each other. And so I understand that by being an open book, when we talk about the financial books, but also an open book as the CEO, as the, as the leader, it just builds more trust and culture is everything right now. Like we look at the world at scale and I think we're in an existential culture crisis and I'm committed as a CEO, as a leader to 
develop cultures that a culture and cultures that spill into our family life, our friendships, our closest communities, our tribes, which then at large will change the world. Like that's the only way we change. And you can see the opposite of that and big corporations that have agendas that have messaging that when you spend 40 to 60 to 80 hours a week, like if you think you're escaping that messaging, like we're wrong. And so we have that responsibility to be the open books, to be the the culture shifting entities. And, and, and I think that that happens from the energetics of being fully transparent and, and developing trust. Mm, I love that. And I think with a lot of people, I would imagine that are in the position of CEO, there's a different identity that walks in the door that walks out of the door. So who you are at home and your family and your personal life is different than who you are when you're in the boardroom. But what I'm hearing you say is that it's the same all across the board. And so you're bringing whatever your personal like core values are into the core values, you know, of the company. Yeah. There's no separation for me at all. And I think that that's actually important because it helps on both ends because if there is no separation, then I have to be mindful of how I, you know, one of the things that I've really worked on over the years is being clear and direct, but also kind and compassionate and empathetic and like holding those two together. It's like a dichotomy. And so direct can be abrasive, but if it, if it actually has empathy and compassion and understanding underneath it, it's for the betterment of all of us. And so like my, my wife and I, like, she's like, Joe, like a little less direct, like, like, okay. (laughs) Not like you said, it's how you said it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So, but I've recognized that it has to be one in the same for me because it's like that age old saying of like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I think that that's so true. I look at how, I show up in business as a leader, as the person responsible for building people that help build the company. Like I'm not building the company, I'm building people. And then Mm -hmm. we build the company together. And so is true in family life and raising children. Like I have a two-year-old daughter that, you know, I don't look at her like I'm building her to help build the company, but I look at her as in like, well, she's one, she's like my integrity check. Like if she was watching me at all times, how would I want her to see me show up? And so I kind of use that as one and the same for a team member, anybody that looks to me. And so it's all the same to me. Separation, like being able to turn off the phone, being able to shut the computer is important, but who I am in my personal life is the same person is in my business life. And I think that if we don't start to recognize that that's a non-negotiable I don't think that we can have the culture shifts that we need. Like mm. we we need, we need culture change big time. Retweet. This concept of like sideline leadership has been coming up for me so much in the way that I lead in myself and my business, but also in my own life. And my word for this year was excellence, like bringing mm. a standard of excellence to everything that I do. And what I'm hearing you say is that like, it's an integrity thread that like, my words and my actions align in all areas of my life. And one of the things I think more people are craving is this like 
leading by example, not leading as an expert. And yes, there's something to be said about being an expert, not to discredit what it takes to become an expert at something, but there's a different texture to someone who's leading as an expert. There's like this authoritative <clears throat> approach to like, you have to do as I say and listen to me because I'm your boss versus like, let me lead myself as the example to model the way that you are to lead yourself here mm -hmm. as well. And so like in, in my business and in my life, I always want to be the example. I don't want to be the expert because being the expert feels like a lot of responsibility. And if you make a mistake, like how do you go back to your team and say, Hey, I'm, I'm not perfect. And the same thing in like relationships. So like, I love that you're sharing that because I think it's important for people to hear that even as a CEO of a super successful company, like your leadership style can be one of like less of like, do as I say, not as I do. And I mm -hmm. it, like, I was literally recording a podcast on this yesterday of like from that, that starts at like a parenting age, right. Of like children lose respect for their parents when words and actions don't align. And then as young women, when we are parented by men whose words and actions don't align, we go date men whose words and actions don't align. And we can't understand why we're being triggered everywhere we go. Right. So yep. <laughs> tangent, but all that. I would to love say, to zoom in on that though, because let's do it. What I mean, you said something that is really important. And I think that anybody that's an entrepreneur that's listening to this podcast, that's starting their business, or maybe is like one, two, a couple of years into the business, maybe five, it doesn't matter how long. Yeah. Um, two big fears of entrepreneurs. So I run Cured and then I also mentor several entrepreneurs in several different ways. But what I've noticed is one, we all have a fear of lack of control, right? So as a business owner, it's like, what's going to happen if I let go of control and I delegate? And so many people are afraid of that in every aspect of their life. One other fear that I've noticed is that we show up, we're the one that started the business as the founder. And so we think that we, the only way for us to be entrusted as the leader that knows what they're doing is to always have the right answer. And so mm -hmm. when we think there's a point at which we made the wrong decision or we didn't have the right answer, then we believe, and I'm, I'll just say I, and whoever, like, uh, <laughs> whoever this message lands to, I think you're probably yeah. similar to a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with is that we think that we're no longer capable or we don't think we're capable of being the leader that we believe we're supposed to be, because if we're not right, then why would anybody believe in us? Why would anybody follow us? But it's actually like so opposite of that as like, if we can admit that we're wrong and we can, we can pool the power of the group and the power of different opinions and thoughts and ideas and make the right decision based off of, you know, whatever information that we do have, whether it's 50 to 60% of the full amount of information that we need by being wrong, but then making the decision and taking onus of whatever that decision leads to. It's a much different way of always thinking that you have to have the right answer yeah. right off the bat and like leading from expert mentality. Like that's, you know, I just wanted to say that because that's something that I failed um, greatly at in the beginning of business. And what I notice is that as I mentor other entrepreneurs, 
I noticed that there's this through line and I will speak to my own experience as well. Again, that we have like some type of like speculation, like a mentor will say, you should do this because most of the time I did this wrong. And so I'm trying to help you do this right or skip past the same mistake that I made. But, but so much of the time we're in this state of like, we have to be the expert because it's our business. It's our mission. We need we know. Right. And so it's hard to hear the outside perspectives. And we sometimes think that like outside opinions from other people that have walked the path that we walked or want to walk or a similar path that there's like some type of speculation, like that there's like, eh, maybe that doesn't apply to me or that's probably, you know, that's great for them, but it doesn't like fit for me. And so if you've selected the right mentor, they've built something that you want to build life, relationship, business, whatever it is, any aspect of that. And they're truly invested in your success, which you can understand through a variety of forms. They're not speculating. They're saying like, <laughs> this is how I got here. Like, this right. is what I did. Right. I would love for you to take this as truth and just go implement. I'm trying to save you years and years. And so what I've noticed is I failed at that in the beginning. I had a mentor in the beginning years of my business. His name was Richard Squire and he founded Breckenridge Brewery, he sold to Anheuser-Busch for $90 million. He knew what he was talking about. And in the very beginning of Cured, he goes, hey, Joe, like you're not a manufacturing company. Hey, Joe, like you're not uh, a farm. So we had like a farm, we had a manufacturing facility, and then we had like the end user brand. I remember hearing him say that, but I definitely didn't like listen and absorb it. I just heard it. And without listening to him and taking that as truth, we almost went out of business at the end of 2019 because our resource load was spread so thin because we were trying to manage a farm. We were trying to manage a manufacturing facility when we were really just a really strong brand that can market really well. Yeah. And so I didn't listen and we almost went out of business because of that. And I noticed the same exact pattern with entrepreneurs that I mentor. And it's just hard. Like I understand because you're like, oh, well, you don't like I made this decision because I thought about it in, in this way and that way and the other way. And I invested this much money. And so anything that's going to change me off of this path feels really uncomfortable. And it feels like I'm letting go of control. And so just the journey of the entrepreneur is such an interesting one. And I truly believe that it's the greatest path to personal development there ever was. Facts. Like again, retweet, like, it's like <laughs> you will grow, your business will grow to the extent that you are willing to grow yourself. Right. And look yeah. at your own shadow and all that. And I'm, I'm curious in that example was when he told you like, Hey, you're not this, Hey, you're not that. Did he actually connect the dots for you and kind of draw it out? Or did he kind of just leave it at that? Like, Hey, you're not this, you're not that. That's a really good question. He's since passed away. He passed away in, in 2019 and when I think back to that, all I can think about is my response. I, I can like remember like, nope, like you just kind of shut it, it off, Richard, right? like I got it. Like, yeah. and so I don't think I was open and ready to fully listen. Just like, you know, we're all given a lot of messages in our lives and you don't actually take the message to heart until you're actually ready to yeah. hear the message and, and well, and you do. It. So I, I don't know. <laughs> Once you've made your decision, you're just like, you stop listening and anything that kind of comes after that is like, 
as the saying goes in one ear and out the other, right? The reason I ask this question is because I'm drawing a lot of parallels to what you're saying to parenting. And I would imagine I'm not a parent, but like I've obviously have parents and I have a lot of friends that have kids and, um, you're a new dad to a daughter and a company, like you are parenting mm -hmm. in, in both ways. Right. And so what's coming up for me as you're sharing the story is like this idea of this is what parents do. Like I have life experience and I'm trying to save you the harm of dating this guy or hanging out with these people or doing these drugs or having this experience. But like, yeah. as you know, like you're basically telling your parents to like, fuck off. I'm going to go figure it out on my own. And it's that it's kind of the same thing. Right. So, so it's like, the exact same thing. Right. So the exact now same thing. I'm curious, like with your background and the things that you kind of went through and, you know, your drug abuse and almost committing suicide and all those things to now being a dad and running a company, how has fatherhood like changed your view on leadership as a husband, as a dad, as a CEO, like, do you have a different like point of view on leadership in, in all those ways? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. There's absolutely a parallel. It takes a lot of us 30, took me 30 years to figure it out. Like, oh, yep. Dad and mom definitely said that multiple times, uh, but <laughs> I just wanted to figure it out on my own. I would say the birth of my daughter has been the greatest catapult into becoming the man that I want to be. And when I said earlier that she's kind of like my integrity check and I run everything through the filter of if my daughter was watching me, how would I show up? I know that, that not everybody like shows up in that way that has brought children into this world. But what I do know for myself is that I deeply ache for the direction of our world a lot of the time. And so I take this massive amount of responsibility to try to be the example and the conduit to change that that can be absorbed into the way that my daughter shows up every single day and so i just use her as i use like her presence in my life as one like what do you have to teach me in 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 every single day when we're interacting when i recognize that i'm distracted by something when i recognize that she's asking for my attention when she's looking for something for me, when she's trying to get a need met from me yeah. and being able to recognize that my employees, my team members are all doing that same exact thing at yeah. some time. And if you yeah. can understand the core needs of a human, you mm -hmm. can understand how to build that human into exactly it, what it is your company needs, but also because you guide them more into those opportunities. So if somebody wants growth or certainty or variety or love and connection or contribution, like those are human needs that I can't see all of those being exuded by my two-year-old yet, but I can see some of those. Yeah. Like I can see some of those. And so when I can understand as a leader that every single human has needs that they're looking for to be met. And if you can, through getting to know them, understand those needs, then you can build a culture and you can build direction and path for every single one of your team members that creates retention, like creates a time at which they'll stay with your company because they believe in your mission, but they also believe in the fact that you are there to be like the parent that you are, that you're, you know, so eloquently like 
connecting the dots with. Like it's, it's, it's so true. And so we make it so complicated. It's like, I used to think that there were all these like tricks and tips and things that you need to do as a leader to help build and parent a company. But the truth is you need to understand people's needs. You need to paint a vision for the future so they can all see where they're going and see themselves in that vision of the future. It's not just your vision. It's like, here's the future and here's where I see you in that vision. You can build them by guiding them more towards their needs. If they want growth, then you give them opportunity for growth. If they want contribution, then you give them opportunity for contribution. If they want variety, significance, whatever it is, you just start to create more of those opportunities and you have to let go of where you originally thought the exact path for them was in your business. And I think that that's a direct parallel to parenting. It's like, you kind of need to figure out what the baby wants and needs and play bumper, but also (laughs) like not allow, don't like, don't coddle them. Don't control them. You it's, it's this very like interesting, delicate dance. And there's such, there's so many parallels and I, I appreciate you bringing that out. So I, yeah, it's, it's, it's constant. Like, well, what is, what is Ember going to teach me today? Like there's some, there's some lesson that she's going to teach me. And Mm -hmm. I take that from, you know, a child's perspective. And then also the people that I mentor under, and I'm like, there's like this through line between all of this is like, Mm -hmm. we're all humans trying to figure this out. And if we can understand what it is we all really need, then we can figure out how to build thriving companies and cultures. And notice that I haven't said anything about the latest paid ad or the marketing strategy or email or anything like that. Like no. it's just like the company builds through people. Right. Well, that becomes the byproduct, right? It's like yeah. in my business, I do a lot of work with masculine, feminine energetics. Right. And I, I say like most people come to me or they'll come to a coach and they'll be like, give me the how, which is very much the masculine energetic, which is fine. I can give you a strategy, but if we don't address the why first, which is the feminine, which is the vision and like, what is it that I want to create the how's really not going to work. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of similarly, like you have to have that foundation of like purpose and vision and creativity. And what is it here that we're creating feminine? And then how do we create it based on our core values, masculine, right? Um, so, So I love that you said that. And what's so striking to me about all of this is that where I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially men, just saying it, um, can't have an opportunity for growth is on that emotional intelligence side. Right. Because a lot of them are very much like, what, like, what is the strategy? Give me like, what is my pay-per-click? Like, what is this go to market thing? And all of that is really great. But again, if, if you're, if you're talking about leadership, so much of leadership is that emotional intelligence because, we're all just running around little nine-year-olds trying to heal whatever wound it was that we didn't get from mom and dad. So like, if you don't have the intelligence and the understanding and awareness to recognize that like people are just walking around in their triggers all day long and you don't know how to empower them, like you're just going to have that, that turnover over and over and over again. Yeah. So one of my mentors says that the quality of your life is the quality of your emotions. And I completely agree with that. And I would say that from an emotional growth standpoint, it's my biggest area for growth. And so I've recently hired 
an emotional resilience coach. Like we go in, we get familiar with my emotions. I learn how to express them, which I haven't been like most men don't know how to do. And then you get curious about them, you understand them. And then you also develop this resiliency where you can more or less have this ability to feel it, whether it's moving you high or low, but then come back to center. You're not mm. like, you're not making a decision at the peak and you're not making a decision at the valley. You're feeling it, you're understanding it. And then you're bringing yourself back to center. And I, I have to bring this up because in the first session, um, my coach said, you like equations, right? And I was like, I love equations. Give me the equation. And she emailed me after our first session said emotions plus curiosity plus listening plus acceptance plus validation of emotions minus defensiveness and resistance added together equals ability for emotions to move through and dissolve equals equanimity and intimacy. And that for me, I was like, get that cool. tattooed Got somewhere. Like, like, <laughs> like that's a massive formula, but like yeah, when she but... broke it down in that way, it's like, I'm looking for like, I want to, and that it's not bad intention. Like the, the masculine intent, the masculine intention of wanting to solve the problem. There's no ill will behind that. Right. Like, that's just like, I want to solve it. Like I want to solve yeah. the problem. It's not, I'm not that well, we can tend to not validate the emotion in the situation. And so that's where it gets iffy. And that's why she sent me that equation. I was like emotions plus curiosity plus yeah. listening plus acceptance, plus validation of all of it, <laughs> minus your defensiveness and your resistance equals equanimity and intimacy and depth in relationship. And so for me, I was just like, oh, well, if you can lay it out that way and I can just repeat it to myself, we can call it the equation, but then I can actually lean more into my emotional growth and understanding. And 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 you're so right. Is like, we just have to understand our emotions if we continue to suppress them, it, it, it leads to a lot of destruction that we see in our world in so many different ways. And no wonder most females don't trust males or most, you know, just no wonder there's no, there's like a massive breakdown of trust in so many areas. I shouldn't just say yeah. female and males, but yeah. Yeah. I, um, was having a conversation before this with a woman who's uh, a matchmaker. And we were talking about high qual, high value men and high value women in dating and how, like, I was like, is it just me or is dating right now? Complete trash. And it's, it's <laughs> a lot of, it's a lot of this. Like, I think when you are a person who is emotionally intelligent and you're an entrepreneur and you're, or not, you don't even have to be an entrepreneur, but I think these things do are trending in that direction of like, you're very aware um, you, you spot this a lot more clearly of someone's ability to validate your experience, but not necessarily take it on themselves and like have that neutrality of being able to hold space. Like that equation to me feels like holding space. Like I can yeah. be in your, I can be in your presence. I can hold space for your experience. It doesn't have to be my experience. I can validate the fact that your experience very much is your experience. And then I can seek to understand and like, how do we kind of workshop through that. So I love that, that, that equation, I'm going to like write that down. I'm like, I need to like put that somewhere. That's, that's brilliant. So yeah, I need to print that off. I was just blown away like, by that. It's just like, cause I mean, you know, you, you, I think you briefly mentioned it, but I'm like, I'm an aerospace engineer by trade. I came from engineering equations, math, and like, give me the, let me solve the problem. And 
um, that approach to so many relationships, including my, my marriage was the thing that almost made me lose my relationship with my wife in the very beginning actually did like she broke up with me and like, I had to grow a lot to get to where we are today, but it was emotional growth. And that's like the thing that I need to continue to lean into, you know, most successful people have very, uh, very clear through lines. We believe that we actually deserve to win. We're like, I believe that I deserve to win. Like I have this deep core belief in myself. I also have this massive fear of not fulfilling my potential. So like I have both those I'm like, Oh shit. And I know I can do this and I deserve it. And the, the most impactful leaders and successful people in this world, they have the ability to have control of their emotions and like sensory acuity. And when I heard, I'm stealing this from my mentor, but when I heard him say that, I was like, well, that's the area that I need to zoom in on more. And he said visualization as well. And like, I live at a visualization in the future and out of tying action to that vision, but the emotional growth and like sensory acuity thing is something that's, um, that's when you start to turn into like the Jedi. It's like, <laughs> yes. oh, how does that person do that? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like, it's to me, that's personal power, right? So I, yeah. I listen to a lot of work from Melanie Ann Lair. She's the founder of Alpha Femme. And she talks a lot about personal power and emotional intelligence. And she teaches a lot on like feminine energetics and leadership and all the things. And so she talks about like emotional, like personal power, and emotional intelligence is I can be in an emotional experience and also hold that. Like I can mm. be emotional, but not be um, like irrational or overreactive. Yeah. And I can sit with that emotion. And it's almost like the power of the pause of like stepping outside of yourself, like to your point, like it is Jedi power, right? Of like, okay, I'm having this experience. I'm, I'm aware of it. And I also don't want to like ruin the experience that I'm in. So there's some personal power in that to say, Hey, I need to either like remove myself from this situation or pause the decision-making process because we all know like when emotions are high, intelligence is low, right? So having mm -hmm. the intelligence to know that I think is so powerful, especially not only as a, a partner and a parent, but as a business owner as well. And yeah. I think that when you are an entrepreneur, like your business is your baby and you can make so many decisions from that emotional place. So having that personal power and emotional intelligence is like everything. It's everything. hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, I'll be reporting back in the future after, as our <laughs> sessions continue, but like, that's where I'm investing a lot of my money right now is in emotional growth. Um, and so I'm a big, I'm in the beginner's mindset right now okay. with all of that. So is it, so I was going to ask you and maybe perhaps you just answered the question. So you said that you just invested in, in a new coach and I'm curious, like, what's the edge for you right now that you feel like you need coaching on? Yeah, it's, uh, more so in my relationship, you know, I, my marriage. So the two of us have worked through a lot together, a lot of our, um, programming, understanding our programming. And, um, as our daughter was born it was a traumatic birth and it was, it was one that kind of jolted both of us like, shit, this is scary. And I went into work, 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 work mode, as in like, just provide, just work, just work harder. And 
then my wife went into more of like, she blamed herself and then like went into like this controlling mode. And, and so we were both in our, a very addictive, um, we were in our addictions for like the last or the first year, um, and a half of, of our daughter being here. And I couldn't recognize it for the longest time, but as we started to read, um, some of the Gottman's work, there's a book, the, like the seven principles of successful marriages by the got by John Gottman. If you've heard of the Gottman Institute, you know, what I'm talking about, but my wife and I, and like, it's kind of embarrassing because my wife would say, you're not like touching the emotion. When I share something, you're instantly trying to solve it or you're, um, you're minimizing it when she tries to share and be vulnerable. And like, I recognize that it was because growing up, I never saw an expression of emotion or or knew that it was okay. And in reading the this book together and hearing my wife continue to um or start to really speak directly for the very very first time in her life, like mm-hmm. she's learning how to speak directly, I could actually start to hear and see the growth that I needed to develop more of a emotional um develop more emotional intimacy in our relationship, which then leads to all intimacy, sexual, everything. And so like Mm -hmm. the, I think the birth of a child is just like I said earlier, it's like just this catapult into you're not ready for this, but here you go. And like, figure it (laughs) out. And, you know, so many people say like, you'll understand when you have kids or you, you don't understand unless you actually have kids. And like, I have no other way to say that. Like, it's so true. (laughs) It's like, it's so true. So I took that conversation with my wife and and multiple mentors. And like, I sit in a men's group where everybody's a lot older than me, but I look up to them and I feel like I'm their brother. And I've asked several people, I said, if you were to go back on your personal development journey or your spiritual growth journey, like where would you say you would have wanted to start first? And they all say emotional intelligence, emotional growth. So it's a combination of multiple things, but yeah, it just, it began with my relationship and my wife has been such a mirror for me since day one that every time she says something and I'm like, oh, that hurts or like, no, I don't want to. I know that I need to because yeah. every time I have leaned into it come this just beautiful sacred relationship that is not like without conflict, is not without frustration at times, is not without difficult situations. Like that is all important for us to grow as individuals. And so, you know, you like hear some people say like, yeah, the relationship's perfect. It's easy. There's nothing going wrong ever. And you're like, okay, like, I don't know if that's real. And like, same is true in in business and like making decisions, like healthy conflict is so important. And that's where I really started to recognize the need for my growth, but like being able to sit in the conflict, not run from it, not shut off, not do all the typical things that many of us do. Yeah. I'm going to make an assumption. I I would imagine that the, the stronger your marriage becomes, the more successful your business grows, like the better leader you become in your, in your business. hundred percent, thousand percent, thousand percent. That just like the last three years, it's like there's cured 1.0, which was like, before Ember and before I had to restructure my business. So I got rid of all the other avenues of business. And then there's Cured 2.0 and Cured 2.0 is the last three years. And 
the initial spark to Cure 2.0 was clarity on mission, clarity on core values, clarity on leading. And then the second part was when my daughter was born and my wife and I started to do all the work that we have. And yeah, we had our holiday party last night as a team. And I turned to my wife after everybody left our house and she said, I'm just so proud of what's been created. I've, I've never seen the team and you and everybody in such a, such a flow. Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, there's like actual, I, the first thing that I said was like, yeah, there's actual hierarchy now. And I was like, ah, that was the wrong word. And she goes, she goes, well, you're right. Like everybody trusts you. Everybody follows your lead now. Whereas they didn't used to, because you were emotionally reactive and people didn't trust you and you didn't really know how to lead. And so when I said that, I, what I really meant to say was like, there's trust in decision-making yeah. And there's trust in conversation and decision and growth in our relationship. And so mm. they both fuel each other for sure. Mm. Well, it's like, I rem I did network marketing for like seven years and I coach a lot of high level network marketers on how to build leaders, not build followers. And mm. I think that this kind of goes back to what we were saying about that hierarchical leadership, right? Where you're the authoritarian and people are meant to follow you. But I think that what makes strong relationships and what sh makes strong teams is everyone is accountable for their own leadership, right? And so instead of building a team of followers who the minute you stop, they stop because they're literally doing everything you do, you're building a team of leaders who yeah. are, you're empowering them to make decisions mm -hmm. and to to do what feels most exciting to them. So they're in their lane, they're doing what their gifts are and they're contributing to the bigger vision, which is what makes any relationship work, whether it's a professional relationship, a friendship, a romantic relationship, right? Everyone is kind of in their lane, doing their their work and leading themselves. And then together the whole thing works. So what yeah. was that, what was that experience like for you to kind of like sit around the room and and feel that like as a CEO and going through everything you've been through since 2017? Like what was that like for you? Yeah, it felt so good. And it I, I just I could actually tell myself that I'm proud of myself, which is something that I've been very bad at. Um, that was one of my big things growing up was like my dad traveled a lot, a lot, a lot when I was young and I knew he was proud of me. I know now that he was proud of me and I know now that he was always cheering me on, but like just this like absence, this like pattern of absence and like my dad coming home and me wanting to prove myself. I've always wanted to prove myself or like prove myself, prove myself, prove myself. Um, and so just after last night and waking up this morning, I just, I just like am getting much better at telling myself, like, I'm proud of you. You show up for people. You see people, you see their superpower, you pull it out of them. You are kind, you're compassionate, you're excited, you're all of these things. And like, that's just speaking into myself, which I haven't been great at. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm just basking in that today. Were you like sobbing your eyes out? Cause I would be, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like, it's one thing when other people tell you you're proud of, they're proud of you. But like when you sit down and like journal it out or like say it out loud, like, I don't know, anytime I've ever done that, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't in this last experience, but I've had in the last several years, I do a lot of I love float tanks and oh. I like to microdose before float tanks. And one of my experiences after some deep therapy sessions that I was doing, I, 
have you done float therapy before? I have never been in a float tank and it's been on my list for a while. Okay. So, so it's I'm, like I'm sensory like, okay. deprivation. Yeah. You go, you kind of go in and out of like consciousness almost. It's like you're sleeping. Am I not sleeping? You don't know. You're not where you're not sure where you are. You can't feel the air or the water. There's no yeah. light. And you more or less like for lack of better term, like you travel, you like you're experiencing some alternate reality. But I woke up from one of those sessions just crying, like bawling my eyes out, just saying, I'm sorry, Joseph. I'm sorry, Joseph. I'm sorry, Joseph. And I couldn't say anything else. I was just like, why? But I realized that for so long, I've just had so much hatred towards myself. And so in stark contrast to that, being able to like see different words and thoughts come out, it's just like, the only way to measure growth is to look backwards and be like, okay, well, that's where I used to be. And this is where I am now. So then you have like the perspective shift. So I wasn't bawling my eyes out last night or this morning, but I, uh, I can see how it's this just constant unfolding. And I know that there's so much that I still have to learn and figure out about parenting and, and building a business and raising money. Like we're going to have investors that I'm now, um, you know, re reporting to for lack of a better term. And that's like my next level of growth because I haven't had to answer quote unquote to anybody for five, six years now. So I'm excited for that and I'm proud of myself and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk more about Cured because I really do want to share like the vision behind the company. I want to educate my audience. I It's not often that I bring an expert in the field of health and wellness on to talk about things like hemp and CBD and microdosing. You mentioned microdosing and these are all things that I'm interested in and I recognize mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I really get to bring more people on. So I would love for you to share why you even like, why did you go from aerospace to getting into this space and what is cured? Yeah. I'm going to try and do a quick abbreviated story. So I was an aerospace engineer before I became an aerospace engineer and worked for NASA for almost seven years. I almost committed suicide by jumping off a bridge. And in the in that time in my life, I had become extremely so far out of alignment with who it is that I really wanted to be that that dissonance between the two was like this gap that caused so much anxiety that led to depression that led to me almost killing myself. And we've spoken a lot about the work in this podcast. After that experience, I found the bodybuilding world and the bodybuilding world initially saved me and then it turned addictive in of itself that was in parallel with being an engineer and working on really cool projects that like i love to share with people but also weren't filling me up and i still as i was doing the work like would experience anxiety and bouts of depression and i was like why like why am i still doing this like i'm finally showing up for myself and but there's still something missing and I spent nearly four years, what led me to that bridge was a lack of integrity, but also a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol. And I spent almost four years completely sober. 
But as marijuana was recreationally legalized in Colorado and then also in California, I started experimenting with different forms of cannabis to help calm me down, help me fall asleep. And as I started to do that while I was bodybuilding, like it helped me recover better. It helped me sleep at night. It was helping me in so many different ways. And then I looked back on my younger years and recognized that while alcohol and all the other drugs and substances were present in my life, including psilocybin and including marijuana, my use of psilocybin and marijuana back in those times was not to escape. It was to tune in. It was to go, go out into nature and connect and be creative. And I could see that while I was, you know, far removed from it. So I started to explore it again and, um, had several high dose psilocybin journeys that uncovered a lot for me. And also as I utilized CBD and really noticed that it was helping me started to help my mom. It just wasn't branded correctly. Cause people would go CBD, marijuana, stoner on the couch. And I was like, it was just like this quick, like I grew up in the dare program. It's the same thing as heroin. And like, this is your drug on, this is your drug. This is your brain, is your brain on drugs. Eggs. Like, <laughs> yeah, eggs. like everybody knows that. And it's because of a story. It's because of a narrative that you and I were all told that is false and cannabis and psilocybin and so many powerful things in nature. They just need to be rebranded. And the way to rebrand them is also not this like fully go to the other side, spiritual, like, um, which tends to turn into like spiritual bypassing a lot of time. And like, I'm like this, like great, uh, like look at me type of a person which frustrates me, but, but I did notice that it needed to be rebranded in a way that allowed people to entrust in it. And the only way that they were going to entrust in the vehicle, plants, fungi, whatever you want to um, speak to is if the proper narrative is coming out into the world from health and fitness professionals was my initial thought. Yeah. And so I had the bodybuilding world, I had the cannabis world, and I was like, I want to link these two together. And I just, brought cannabis to the bodybuilding world and was able to teach people. And I should just say health and fitness world to teach people that you can use other things for your health that you didn't think that you could use because you were told differently. Yeah. And so that was how cured really launched. I was belittled by a boss and it was like the, the last straw that was just like, I'm done. Like I was seeing a therapist again. I was depressed again. I was all these things. And I had this idea on the side and I, uh, was given a literal permission slip from my therapist. He's like, you're just waiting for permission from the outside world, Joe, Joe, but you like, you need to give this to yourself. You're never going to get it from the outside world. And that night I put in my letter of resignation and then woke up the next day and have been on this path to build cured. And it's continued to evolve. I would call us the holistic wellness supplement company of the future. I believe that we are building what supplements and medicine will be in the future. I think that there's this huge shift going on. And I think a lot of the keys to unlock what the future is going to look like live in the past. They live in mm -hmm. traditional Chinese medicine. They live in Eastern approach to medicine where we've gone so um, opposite here in at least the U S and so cured has been continually evolving and changing over the years and using different cannabinoids and different functional mushrooms and different adaptogens, um, all formulated by our clinical herbalist in Boulder to create different functions for brain health, mental clarity, 
gut health, for relaxation, for sleep, for recovery. So like, what does a normal human go through every day? Where are the pain points and how are we developing supplements that help support those pain points to elevate our overall health, but like founded on a traditional Chinese medicine type approach. And when we started with CBD and now we have microdose THC products and we have CBN products and we have a bunch of different cannabinoids, this story holds true for the mushroom world. So I, if we, if we could start with CBD, that's non-intoxicating, it's a great anti-inflammatory, it's great for calming. Then I think we can rebrand all of cannabis because it's one component of the overall mother plant. And so we can start teaching people about all of the plant. And so is true with mushrooms and psilocybin. We have functional mushrooms in all of our products, but like it is from the fungi world. Like it is this whole species in of itself. So like if one piece of it has a potent power to it, how about all the other pieces to it? And of course there's like poisonous mushrooms and like there are bad places, right? But like <laughs> in general, if we can just start the narrative at like, here's introductory, here's why I would microdose, here's why I would do high dose, here's why I would take THC. But you start with something that's more inviting like CBD, then you can really start to shift the narrative because we've all heard the stories of people saying, like, I took an edible and I got too high and I never want to do it again. And it made me anxious. And like, I know that that's true. And so many people say that. And so we're here to really shift that narrative. And so Cured is like a, it's a holistic wellness company, but we more or less create what we call super supplements. We're designing them with a clinical herbalist. We're expressing certain cannabinoids. Um, and we're also doing fun, fun things like creating the most potent, like functional gummy that I've ever seen on the market. And it has microdose THC in it. And so that's introducing people to THC at very low levels. And they go, oh, well, like it's not what I used to be afraid of. It's actually something else. And so that was a very long winded answer, but I hope I covered like the idea of how we got here and, and the mission that we're on. We're, we're on a mission to help people feel their best because there is a best version of yourself somewhere in there and you just haven't been able to unlock it yet we want to be part of the conduit to that version of you that you and and all the listeners and everybody in the world so deeply deserves because time's running out on us like life goes quick so why not feel as best as we possibly can i mean have a, have a one-year-old or have a two-year-old and realize how fast life goes by. My best friend's yeah. daughter is turning seven in June. And I'm like, how I, I, I it just yeah. like, it blows my mind. I spend a lot of time with her. And I think that something happened to me this year. I, I turned 42 in December. So I'm almost 43. And yeah, that I, I started having this like feeling that like time was running out. Like it's this, it was, it was weird. I went to this like really dark place and was like imagining the end of my life being alone and looking back and having regret. And I think that like my core value is freedom mm -hmm. and my, my top love language is quality time and experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think something happened this year where I was like, I'm not living in my potential. Like I'm not doing the experience, like time is moving too fast. So like what you just said, like fucking got me in my heart, but I want to talk about, um, microdosing. So there's, we hear microdosing a lot. And you said something reactive versus non-reactive. So can you first talk about what is reactive versus non-reactive? And then can you talk yeah. about the difference between 
microdosing THC and microdosing psilocybin. Yeah. So another way to say it would be like intoxicating or psychoactive versus not. Um, So when you think, when most people think THC or they think marijuana, they think intoxicating, they think high, Mm -hmm. they think losing control. They think a lot of things. And so CBD is psychoactive, but it's non-intoxicating. Like it doesn't make you feel that euphoric high. Mm -hmm. Now, low levels of THC are there. It is psychoactive. It does have a function in the brain and body, and it doesn't have to be intoxicating. It can make you feel euphoric if at proper levels. So THC at very low levels, which would be, you know, microdose would be probably considered underneath a a milligram and a half, maybe a milligram. Most of our products that have microdose THC are a milligram to like 1.25. And that's legal nationwide. We ship them all across the nation because it comes from the hemp plant. Um, But it's an amount that you can feel. It makes you feel euphoric. And we combine it with high dose CBD or L-theanine or other adaptogens that help reduce the anxiety provoking effects. So you take a five milligram edible, a 10 milligram, and you're like, shit, I'm high. Don't ever want to do this again. Or maybe you do, you know, we're all different, but so many people are like, it's too much. I didn't like it. I thought I was going to lose. Like, I, I don't know. I thought the aliens were coming or something like that. And so THC is actually really beneficial for helping with relief from aches. And as you get older or at any time, feel pains like THC is actually better for that than CBD. CBD has anti-inflammatory properties. So it's more of like the preventative type of approach. Whereas THC has more of a ability to help actually give you the relief that you're looking for. And so at low doses, when combined with CBD, it can actually be one of the most amazing feelings that you'll ever feel. And it won't actually make you feel extremely high. Mm. So when I say microdose THC, I just mean levels that give you a little bit of euphoria, but don't make you anxious. Don't make you feel extremely high. Like you can still function. You could go on a walk. You can have a great conversation. You could go on a podcast. Um, and then microdose psilocybin is sub perceptual. So when micro, when I say microdose THC, there's actually like classified it at a level where you can perceive like the feelings of it, but microdose psilocybin is actually supposed to be sub perceptual. Like you're not supposed to see anything. You're not supposed to, um, feel like, you know, something is really going on, but a lot of the times finding that dose for you can be, um, very difficult. You'll see a lot of microdose supplements with psilocybin, which we don't sell psilocybin just to be clear. Um, we sell products that help support psilocybin, um, microdosing, but you'll typically see them in like the hundred to 250 milligram range. And I, at 250 milligrams, I have had times where I've been like, Whoa, like I really feel this. I probably shouldn't be at work right now, or maybe I should be cause I'm just like hugging people. <laughs> And so like, I don't know, like microdose is this very loose term that gets thrown around a lot, but I do deeply believe in the benefits of it. And when I was starting cured, I spent about nine months microdosing psilocybin. It helped me be creative. It helped me be open. It helped me be, um, 
accepted to my situation. It helped me um, with my mood. It helps a lot of people with mood. So I'm really excited for the future of microdosing THC, microdosing psilocybin and high dose psilocybin for so many reasons. It's helped me um, extensively become a better human and see myself from a third party perspective. And, uh, and it needs to be done right. It really needs to be done right because we have an opportunity to really allow and help a lot of people to heal through these avenues if done correctly, if done, um, very intentionally and consciously and treated with reverence. Like that's probably the best word is like reverence. We have to have, we have to hold these things, um, with reverence because they are very powerful and we're not going to go back to like the tune in, tune out and drop out or whatever that saying yeah. is, you know, <laughs> like we can't go back to that. Like we need to be high functioning. We need to, um, build careers and businesses and families and cultures. And we have a huge opportunity to do that. So hopefully that answers the difference between the two. It does. Thank you. Um, it's obvious that you're passionate about this because the, the level, (laughs) but but you explain it in a way that's really digestible, right? Like obviously you're a science person, but you're explaining it in a way that the average person can understand, which I appreciate. Yeah. And, um, I recently started microdosing psilocybin and, um, I did my first microdose. I've done like ceremony with it, but never microdose. And I did my first one on a Saturday. And Mm. I realized for me, the dosage was a little bit higher than what I thought it was going to be. And I ended up just kind of laying on the couch, watching the clouds go by for a few hours. And I felt amazing, but I was like, yeah, Yeah. I think I'm just going to like hang out. And so I've adjusted the dosage, but I've really noticed a huge difference um, in my mood and like my mental focus and and all the things. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of continue on that journey. And, um, I haven't really, so I'll tell you a quick story talking about like microdosing THC. So my ex-husband had a lot of anxiety and he would abuse marijuana. And it was a point of contention in our marriage because I always felt like he wasn't fully present. Like he didn't know how to regulate his emotions, right? He didn't have that emotional intelligence, but we were getting ready to travel one day and he had made a tray of brownies he made his own oil, coconut oil with, Mm -hmm. with weed. And we were getting ready to travel and he would eat like three of these things. And I, you know, when you cut brownies, they like crumble in the middle. Mm-hmm. I took a crumble, maybe like the size of a quarter, not even probably a dime, like this much. I was like, oh, this looks good. And it was, but it was the middle part. So there's probably a lot of oil that was concentrated. It was one of the worst days of my life. Like it was, <laughs> it was so bad. I was, I had motion sickness. I was super dizzy, like really nauseous. And we were flying Southwest. And so I had a lot of anxiety around like, you need, I I made him like upgrade his seats so that we could sit next together, sit sit Mm -hmm. next to each other. And so this was like from like a nine o'clock in the morning till the next day, I still wasn't feeling 100%. So, so I appreciate the power of edibles, right? And I'm also like very cautious about it. So with that being said, like as the precursor, I've used cured products and I 
felt amazing on them. Um, like I didn't lose my mind, but I haven't like dipped my toe into the microdosing side of things. And I think I'll probably approach it the same way that I did psilocybin is do it on a day when I don't really have a whole lot going on. I think you kind of have to like play with the levels, not when I'm like traveling all day and have to speak on stages yeah. and do all things. Yeah. Did Forrest send you any of those, any of our gummies that we released? I haven't no. had the gummies yet. So I've had the, the focus ones, the Zen mm -hmm. and the sleep, the Zen and the sleep are phenomenal. I need to the CBN. So it was like the purple label. So that has THC in it. You just didn't know it. It's just microdose THC. So okay. see, you, were, well, you didn't you lose control. <laughs> and the euphoria, the drinks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that doesn't have THC, yeah. but yeah. So I'd love for you to talk about, you have like a three, a uh, three product, like bundle that I mm -hmm. would imagine is, is this like your core bundle for like overall wellness? Like, can you kind of break down those three products? Yeah. So those include rise aura and Zen and all three of those were formulated by our clinical herbalist in Boulder, Colorado. It took almost a year to develop those. Um, they have a combination of cannabinoids. So mostly CBD, some have a little bit of CBG, which is really good for, um, gut health. They have one or two mushrooms in each of them. The Focus and Mental Clarity has lion's mane and cordyceps. The gut health and immune support has chaga and turkey tail. And then the sleep has zen, has reishi. And then there's an array of adaptogens, um, other herbs in each of those products. And we selected each of those based on how those herbs and mushrooms and cannabinoids work together and any contraindications, like if you were taking medication, what would this do? And so it's not like this kitchen sink approach, like these things are trendy, let's put them all together. They were done very intentionally for specific functions. So what we believe is that like core to living your healthiest life is to have proper gut health, to be able to have pursuits, like get things done, check off your to-do list, and then to press the reset button. And so what we did was, and what I mean by that is like sleep, recover, press the reset button. Um, so we said, this is our brain, gut, and whole body bundle that if you were just wanting to start with, like, how do we make this simple? How do I approach cured supplements? That's our daily dose bundle. Those are our flagship products. And I believe that a strong gut, the ability to accomplish things and like be proud of our pursuits, which is not always easy. It needs to be yeah. supported by something. Um, and then the ability to sleep at night, like if you can just do those things, then <laughs> you're winning at life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes we need support on those. So we created supplements that were for those. And again, that's rise aura and Zen. Um, and a lot of people just start there and then they explore the microdosing THC is like the gummies and our calm caps and, yeah. and stuff like that. But we have THC free microdose THC don't have psilocybin products yet. And yeah, I'm just, I'm super excited for the future. And I, you know, appreciate opportunities like this to just, to just share why we're doing it because these things can be very trendy. We can see them in a lot of different places. There's a lot of noise, but we have a lot of heart and intention and desire to really just show up and serve. And that's why we do what we do. When you talk about core values, our three core values are responsibility, service, and nature. And we just have this tagline that's, we believe we have the responsibility to serve by sharing the healing powers of nature. Like that's our 
mission statement and everything we do comes back to those. How can we take responsibility? How can we show up and serve and how can we hold nature with high reverence? Um, mm. So, yeah, I love that. Okay. So if, if people want to get cured products, what's the best place for them to do so? Yeah. Go straight to curednutrition.com. Our page, you can find it on Instagram is cured nutrition, but it is shadow banned. So you have to type out the whole thing. Um, big tech loves us. And uh, we've been dealing with that for, for quite some time now. And you can use devoted for 20% off if you go to curednutrition.com and want to try anything out. But yeah. Instagram, cured nutrition. If you want to reach out to me, it's Joseph Sheehy, J-O-S-E-P-H-S-H-E-E-H-E-Y. Um, happy to answer any questions that you might have. And thank you for bringing me on, Melissa. This was great. This was a lot of fun. I feel like we could go a whole nother hour. I, I, yeah. <laughs> this was like one of, so I, you know, I feel like I've been podcasting since the end of 2019 and there's always these like anchor episodes that stand out to me. And the irony is it's always the men that I bring on my show that I'm like, this was like the most amazing conversation. And I'll say it and I'll say it in the, I said it in the intro, like there's just these like anchor points of conversations where I'm like, I feel like the time stands still and, and it's always the men I bring on my show. I don't know why it just, it really is, but this definitely was one of those conversations. So I'm grateful for your willingness to be so transparent and to be so vulnerable with the things that are going on in your life and your relationships. And I, I know that for me personally, like being an, uh, an entrepreneur and I haven't really shared this publicly, but getting at very early stages of doing a CPG product, like a, a physical cool products. Like this has been super helpful for me as well, but I know so many people are going to get a lot from this. So thank you. Okay. Last <laughs> question. What are you celebrating right now? Ooh, continuing to lean into seeing the superpower in others. I've recognized that that's a superpower of mine. And I'm just so deeply leaning into that because it is so exciting mm. to see other people in like that light is and and my wife like helped me really point this out to me so just celebrating like the recognition of that being my superpower is like seeing the superpower in other people and helping them fully step into it it's, mm. it's like mostly what 2023 is going to to be guided by so oh well i'm excited to see what comes of that especially from a leadership standpoint for cured thank and you. you know all of that so thank you. all right you guys if you love this episode which obviously you will because it was amazing make sure you take a screenshot share it on instagram tag me tag joe let us know like what your biggest takeaway was i think that's the most fun as being a guest on a podcast and also hosting one is to see what you took from it mm. and until the next episode live your boldly courageous life Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life. Bye.